you was needed. Announcement-wise, you all know the announcements. What's this Sunday? No, you got to add breakfast to it. Mother's Day, that's second. Mother's Day breakfast is 7.30 to 9.15. 7.30. How many's coming at 7.30? One. Two. Trying. That's an excuse. Betty, that's an excuse. Okay. Also, uh, graduation, uh, the kids that are graduating from uh, high school and grade school and all that, uh, the 21st of May, that'll be coming up, boy, boy time's flying, and camp, camp registration is open, so if you've got young people that you know that want to get involved in that, uh, it's always, well, it's what it's really, folks, that's what church is all about, is the young people, because if you don't have the young people, you won't have a church in a few years, so we've got we've to build up the young people. We're in the book of James. And once again, I'm going to start at chapter 1. The more I go over it, the more we're going to get, in, get ourselves into what's there. Uh, you know, of all the books, you know, you, we need to really get into Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and, and that area to know who we are in Christ. But you want to get, you want to be on a, a daily correction Read James over and over and over and over and over. It kind of reminds me of Proverbs because it tells us pretty black and white what we need to be doing with our lives. And there's no condemnation in it. He's just encouraging us to, to trust him is really where it's, what it's all about. But the theme of James is witnessing by application and working our faith. If we can understand Everything he suggests from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 5, if we just look at that and make it practical and not take it where it's not supposed to be, uh, it's an amazing thing what it can do in your life every day to bring peace. Chapter 1 starts out, count it all joy. Well, that's, to me, that's just the way to start everything. If we understand what he's saying, no matter what is going on in your life, how many has, has a perfect life? Don't you dare raise your hand. Because nobody has a perfect life. So there's always something that's going to come along that's going to quench what's going on. That's like Neil was saying how good his life is. Well, he had, a, he had his, his brother's son got killed in a car wreck today. But yet he counted it all joy in the midst of what's going on. That's why you never heard nothing. We have to be at a place, no matter what, how perfect things seem to be today, to know that the enemy is always in attack. He's always there to do something to bring you down because what he's after is to get you to think that this word's not true. And yes, times are rough at times. Now, times are good. Enjoy those, but be prepared to count it all joy when think, because the Bible says there will be tribulation in your life. That's just the way it is. But, but James comes back and says, yeah, there is, but we count it all joy because God's got it. And then in the midst of that, he says to ask for wisdom. If you don't know what to do in your situation, ask for wisdom, and he'll give you that wisdom because he says, I will give you the answer when you ask for it. That's what's so awesome about that. And then we've got to take that wisdom that he gives us, and we have to put it to work. And most of the time, his wisdom is just lay low, take it easy, I'm taking care of it, you just trust me. You just trust me. Nothing can get too bad that it's not great. 
God's going to make great out. Well, that's another promise that's in here. He says, no matter what happens in your life, listen to me, no matter what happens in your life, I will make it for good. Now, he didn't say, maybe I'll make it for good. He says, I will. I, I'm going to bring it up again. Because I talk to Chris twice a day, every day, every day, every day. He is such a peace in his life, it's, it's hard even to explain. He was so excited, he had, a, he had a man that come in for, he got on meth. And he killed his family because he thought they were demons. He didn't even know that he did it until he come off of it, and then he found out that he did it. Well, the man is just struggling and struggling, and you can understand. Loved his mom and dad, lived there. I mean, come in the house and was just nuts. But he's now turning around what the enemy did in his life. Yes, what he did was wrong, but at the same time, God's going to be able to take his life. Now, he's already getting favor with the guards because he's treating everybody right. He's already getting favor with his jobs because... Now, he's going to be in prison the rest of his life, but he's not going to be in prison. He's going to be free. And that's all through the word that Chris is able to, through their new policy up there, to share with him. Yes, what you did is wrong. My gosh, yes, it's wrong. But, but, he's repented. He, he's, what else can you do? But trust God and see what God's going to do. That's what this is all about. That's what James is all about all the way through it. He wants you to recognize, count a little joy. And, and, and don't be, when God gives you a direction, an answer, and he's going to because he says he will, we cannot be double-minded and not believe it. We've just got to trust it and go on. Trust it and go on. Trust it and go on. Chapter 2 then talks about our love walk. How, how are you walking with what he's given you? Are you, are, you, are you discriminating? Are you prejudiced? When somebody, they give an example, when somebody comes in the church and they're all tattered and wore out, and then there's somebody come in that's dressed nice, who do you give favor to? Well, God works in both their hearts, and God's using both their hearts, and God's just the same once they get saved in both their hearts. And we've got to recognize that and show that. Rich and poor is the same in God's eyes. But we've got to love people where they are. And this is, this is a tough one for a lot of us, because we were, so many of us were raised in a society and in a church that said if, if people's doing sinning and if they're doing things, then we should judge them. There's no place that says that. Now, you discern what they're doing, and you stay away from what they're doing, and you judge them by their fruits and are careful with them, but we're not to judge them personally. We're supposed to love them. Christ went to the sick. He didn't go to the healthy. And we're so bad at that. When things don't go our way, somebody comes against us, then we shut them off, and we discriminate with them, and we take our little problem that we're having with that person, and we take it to somebody else. That's what he's talking about here. We cannot live that way because that's gossip for one thing. That's destruction for one thing. And it doesn't at all go along with the scripture. We've got to take that faith and we've got to allow it to work. Then he goes on and he says, faith without works is dead. Well, when I first years ago read it, I thought, what? now wait a minute. He's telling us not to work, but yet you have to work your faith. And working your faith is counting an old joy. Working your faith is stepping out when he tells you to do something. Working your faith is trusting that what he gives you, he's going to supply. That's working your faith. I, I could pray and pray and pray for that pulpit to move. I promise you it's not going to move. 
Now, he can supernaturally do it, but why would he when he gives me the ability to slide it or pick it up? That's the difference in working your faith, knowing that he's give, he's give us what we need. And God moves in us as we step out in faith and trust him. See, our lives, our lives you, can't, you can't say, well, I believe in God, I believe in God, I believe in God, but you don't do anything for God. I believe in God, I believe in God, but, but, but your vocabulary doesn't go along with God. And all that comes up in chapter 4, which we're going to get to. Chapter 3, my best chapter. I love it. And I'm trying to get it deeper and deeper inside of me. Death and life in the power of your tongue. You want to straighten up any relationship that you got? Quit talking wrong. You want your health to get better? Quit talking about your health. Talking about the healer. You can recognize what you've got. You need to. That's silly not to. But don't make it your everything you talk about. Talk about how God's going to take care of it. Talk about, use your mouth for positive things. It says impart grace. Well, if I'm going to impart grace, then that means I've got to say kind things about somebody I don't like. You're all all, all quiet. I'm not even to chapter 4 yet. But we've got to recognize that, that our mouth is the one that's destroying us. Our mouth is the one that... He, he plainly says it's like a rudder on a ship. If it's going the wrong way, it's going to force you to go the direction you don't want to go. If, you, if you're of the world and you're living in the world and you're, you're treating people like the world, that's exactly as you speak. If you're a gossip, if you're on the telephone with people and you're talking about anybody, you are creating a rudder in your life that's going to direct your life to go the direction you're talking about. The Bible says... That if you judge, you will become what you judge. It also says in Romans that you are what you judge. So you already are. So we've got to direct the rudder, forcing us to go the direction we, we need to go according to the things of God. That's why he says, death and life is in the power of your tongue. It's a little member, but it'll cause devastation. But it's a little member that can cause wonderful things. Think about the times you've been hurt by people. It's hard, to, it's hard not for that to come up in your mind. But also think about the time. I'm, I'll never forget, and she's still alive and kicking and doing wonderful for God, Jerry Seavers. Because every time you talk to Jerry Seavers, you left feeling wonderful. Why? Because she imparted grace. I don't know if you all know, she has got a tremendous ministry of the young, small kids in Cesar. And she's 70... She's 74, 75 years old, working with the little kids, ongoing, nonstop, built a building for them. I mean, it's Jesus. What's she call them? Jesus. Anybody know? Jesus cats. Jesus cats. That's what she calls them. That, and that all started by how she spoke in her life. Your spirit will help you if you speak these things. And you've got to come to a place of recognize. Then he gets right at the bottom of it. He said, and don't be double-minded with what you believe. Don't be double-minded with, with, with what you know is inside of you. Don't be double-minded in what I'm telling you that I'm all the way back to chapter 1. Don't be double-minded in, in kind. Don't be double-minded. If I say I'm going to, I am going to. But you have the responsibility. I have the responsibility of our mouth speaking the right things. Is it easy? No. 
because our default goes back to the way we were raised. Our default goes back to our human nature. Our default goes back to the, the gossip. Our default goes back. It keeps going back. We've got to reprogram and reprogram and reprogram and reprogram. Now we're at chapter 4. Chapter 4 is a tough one. Chapter 4, I think, has been taken a little bit out of context back in, the, in the, the churches that teach the law, but we'll get into that. But I want to read, and I'm reading in the Passion Bible. I want to read and it's go along with what I've got, notes I've got down here. Starts off, it says, What is the cause of your conflicts and your quarrels with each other? <laughs> what is the, what is the, what is the conflict? What, what, what causes, what causes you to get mad? Think about it just a minute. You don't get your way. I mean, none of us, I don't care who we are, none of us get mad at anybody unless we don't get our way. Well, it's interesting, that's exactly what he says. Let me go on. It says, it says, what is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? Interesting. But that can change, and he goes on into that. He says, you're, you're jealously, you jealously want others to have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm others to selfish and obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. And all the time you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. Interesting how he, he, he brings out the point. He says, everything that's going on, the fights and fusses and all the, the, the living in no peace and, and coming home and quarreling about this and coming home and quarreling with your kids and coming home and, 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 and living with people and not getting your way, it's all because we want our way. And we want our own desires. Well, if it's a worldly desire, it's very difficult because God's not going to honor it. Matter of fact, he goes on in the next part of the scripture. Let me see if I can find where I'm at. You don't obtain what you want because you don't ask. And if you ask, listen to what he says, you won't receive it for you're asking with corrupt motives. If your motive's right, God's going to bless you. He's going to answer and give you what you need. He's not holding anything back from us. But if I'm asking for something that I've got plans to use it for my own, my own desires that aren't even what God wants in my life. See, we've got to know what God wants in our lives. And we can ask for a lot of stuff, but you're not going to get the things that's going to help you step away from him. I've seen a lot of people move to another city because of a job. And they're miserable because they didn't move first for God. And if they had to move, then they need to find a church right off the bat so they can get everything in line so God can bless them. If you're moving for the money, there's not a blessing in it. So you've got to come to the place and recognize in your life that if you're fighting with people all the time about different things, you need to back up and say, why am I doing this? Why am I... Why, why am I... Why is there no peace in my life? Why is there no rest in my life? What, what's going on here? Why, why is it like this? Well, let, let, me, let me read why. Romans. 
Once again, I'm going to read 18 to 25, chapter 7 in Romans. Now, this is in the Passion. For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. The longing to do what is, the longings to do what is right are within me, but willpower is not enough to accomplish it. My lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. Isn't it crazy in our lives how we know what we should do, but we end up doing what we shouldn't do? Everybody here knows right and wrong. But it, we, tend to, we tend to be drawn back to the law. We tend to be drawn back to the things we don't want to do. Well, he goes on and he says, So if my behavior contradicts my desires to be good, I must conclude that it's not my true identity doing it. Let me stop there. It's not my true He's saying my true identity is who I am in Christ. My true identity is who I am now. I'm righteous. My true identity is not the one that's forcing me to, to go where I don't want to go. Then it goes on and says, but the, the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. Though my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly deep within me, the true identity, I love to do what pleases God. But I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into a captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin. This unwelcome intruder in my humanity... What, what an agonizing situation I am in. He's in a place where I don't know what to do. I know right from wrong, but I don't know what to do. And in myself, I cannot stop. Has anybody been there at a place in your life where I can't stop doing this, and I know I shouldn't do this, I know I shouldn't think this way, I know I shouldn't go this way, but I can't seem to stop? You can't. And you've heard me say this around here all the time. Don't diet. In yourself, you'll never make it. Because your flesh, you, what you're doing is you're putting yourself under law. And that's against the word. Because the Bible says in the Old Testament, I give the law to show you you can't do it. I don't want to do some things I do, but I do it. But he gets the answer here. Of course we've got the answer. He goes on, he says, What an agonizing situation I am in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from unwelcome intruder of sin and death? I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through the Lord Jesus. The anointed one, so I, I lift, so if I... If left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed mind is fixed on the fixed and fixed and submitted to God's righteous principles. And that's where we're going in this. We've got to recognize he has got the answer for everything you're going through. And this chapter 4 is talking about all the different things that's going on in our lives and what to do with these different things. How to accomplish these different things. What do I do? He goes on in chapter 4, and or, or verse 4. Let me go click on here. 
Verse 3, it says many times the wrong motive. Verse 4, 5, and 6, listen to this. Verse 4, you have become spiritually adulterers who are having an affair with unholy relationship with the world. You, you come to the place in your life where, where you're doing things you shouldn't be doing and you're walking in the ways of the world and the ways of the world is not the ways of God. And you're, you're, you're actually, you're the bride of Christ. And we are doing things we, we shouldn't be doing. But he gives us the answer and Romans give us the answer right there. God is the answer to this. But listen to what it goes on. It says, don't you know... That flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God. Whoever chooses to be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. You know, don't misunderstand as you read this by yourself. He's not saying you can't go to the show. You can't drink a beer. That's worldly. Well, yes, it's worldly, but that's not, that's not the degree he's talking about. He's talking about the things of the Spirit. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit in here because the fruit of the Spirit lives in us. And if I walk according to the fruit of the Spirit and I go clear back to the first chapter and I count it all joy what I walk through and I go to the third chapter and I speak the right things, my spirit man is going to renew my mind to where the things of the world become not interested in. But when I, when I was first taught in this book, I was taught that you better, not, you better not fornicate. You better not get drunk. You better not do the thing. You better not dress wrong. Those were all wrong. But when my, when my heart's right, I won't even think about those things. They're not... He's not condemning because he gets into this. He's not, he's, he, when he says, clean it up, he's not talking about those things. He's talking about you. He's talking about recognize who you really are. Recognize what you've got. Recognize that if this thing gets cleaned up, then this thing's going to get cleaned up. Then you don't even have a desire to do. You can't just fix blatant sin because you'll never stop. You stop by changing from the inside out. And we're never taught that. We're never taught who we are in Christ. We're never taught we're seated in Christ. We're never taught that we're righteous because of Christ. We're never taught who we really, we're never taught we're really healed. So we suffer the consequences by, by trying to quit the things that we can't quit because we're under law. We're putting ourselves under law. That's not even what they're talking about in this. Let me go on. It says... Does the scripture mean nothing to you when it says the spirit of God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? What is that? That's the Holy Spirit never, 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 never quitting. He loves you, 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 and he's going to keep after you, keep after you, keep after you, keep loving you, keep loving you, keep loving you, no matter how messed up we are at times. That's why the Bible says that once you really commit to Christ, give yourself and know that he died and rose again, you're sealed. But we've been taught that if we mess up one time, we're going to hell. We've been taught if we happen to be in sin, when rapture comes, we're going to stay. Really? So now it's up to me? It's not up to me. It's already been done by him. It's up to me to try to get this thing 
in here so this thing will tell this thing what to do. And to do that, we've got to recognize we've got to, we've got to deal with the issues, but we deal with it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we ask him to help us when we make mistakes. And we ask him. I'll never forget at the coal mines, the cussing was just unbelievable. The morality was just unbelievable. And you all know what I'm talking about. So when you're around that all the time and you don't fight that all the time, that becomes your default. And it's real easy to be cussing just like them. And then you can come to church and not cuss at all because everything's fine. But you go on out with the world and you're just like the... That's what this is talking about. Don't be like the world. But the only way you can fix not being like the world is to start changing from the inside out and knowing he's got the power to do it. And don't condemn yourself every time you fall. Just get up, repent, and move on. He forgives you and he takes care of you and he's got you. It goes on. It says, but he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you're proud, but continually pours out grace when you're humble. Well, that's coming to the place in your life when you recognize, I can't do it. The best place you can ever get in your life is when you come to the place where I can't do it. Because then you're saying, thank you for the grace. Because you can do it through me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that what the word says? And he, he doesn't like somebody that thinks they can always do it. I can get through it. Be careful. You'll only get through it with him. Because he wants you to be humble. He wants you to walk in meekness. What's meekness? Meekness is recognizing that it's all him. It's not weakness. It's recognizing it's all him. So he gives you the strength to flow and to move and to walk with him. His desire is to, to walk with you. His desire is to be with you. His desire is, is to take care of you. And then verse 7, it's really, a, it's a call to return to God. Listen to what it says. So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil, and resist him, and he will flee in agony, it says. Well, come back to me and recognize I'm the power you need to walk through this stuff. I have the anointing to put in you. I live in you. I never leave you. I have what it takes to run the enemy off. And then he gives us, in, in the scripture, he gives us the authority to tell the devil to get lost. To tell the devil to, to, get, to get out. And he will flee from you because when the devil sees you walking in the fruit of the spirit. Let's, let's back up a minute. What's worldliness? Isn't love the first thing in the fruit of the Spirit? If you're not walking in love, you're worldly. Gentleness, if you're not gentle with people, you're worldly. If you're not patient with people, you're worldly. You're arguing, you're carrying on. I, I, we can read through the whole thing. If you don't have joy, you're worldly and you're worrying. The Bible says to not worry. But if you've got joy, you don't worry. You're, you're concerned, but you don't worry because he's got this. Whatever's, whatever's going to happen, going to happen. I've, I've had to learn this through hard times with my family. But I know it's going to, I already, it's okay. And that's where you have to be. You have to recognize that joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. The reverse of that is world. Go out in the world and see. Get in the midst of a, a work 
place. Everybody's in chaos. Everybody's in drama. And the church should not be there. Nobody in this church should be in drama. That's worldly. And I'm not condemning anybody because we all get there, but we shouldn't. He wants us to clean up here so the rest of us not even, I'm not even interested in what the world activities are. I'm not interested. When I was in, when I was in the army in Colorado Springs, all the guys wanted to load up and go down to Pueblo and chase the women. They just wanted to be with prostitutes. And they was on me and Ed, the guy that comes from Chicago, all the time about going down there. And our words were, not. Because I had grown enough living under my mom and dad to recognize that's going to do nothing but destroy me. I will, I will never be the same if I go down there with, them, with that. I already had that built in. So I had the defense and the enemy had to flee. And they didn't even bother me ever again once I stood my ground two or three times. Ah, oh, you're missing that. Then I seen them coming back and the misery they come back with and all the junk that come back with them. That's worldly. And the more you get of Christ inside you, the more you recognize, why, why not walk in patience? Why not walk in kindness? Why not choose to, to walk in goodness? Why not choose to walk in gentleness? Why not choose to walk in self-control? Why not choose to do the things of Christ? Because the world doesn't do any of that. It's all about them. Have you all noticed that? Anybody in the world, it's all about them. Nobody else. So why not come to the place of recognizing he's got the power to flow through us? It goes on and it says, move your heart closer and close and closer to God and he will come even closer and closer to you. Now listen to what it says here. Make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. What's he talking about there? He's not talking about getting out of the big sin. We've all got things in our lives that we know we shouldn't be doing. He's talking about walking in the fruit of the Spirit that's inside you and, and quit, quit walking in unforgiveness. If you're walking in unforgiveness, you are, you, you're in trouble because that will destroy you and the people around you. And he's saying, come on, repent of that and just get on right. Now, he's already forgiven us, but we are the ones that's got to make the choice not to. We are the ones got to make the choice to see we can't do it in ourselves. We are the ones got to make the choice to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and allow it to move us and change our lives. Let me go on. But make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Feel the pain of your sin. Be sorrowful and weep. In other words, don't, don't be joking about, course jesting about your sin that you're, you're, you're walking in. Well, I'm, you know, I, I'm just... I'm just not faithful. I'm just not that way. I, I'm, gonna unfor I, I'm not forgiving them. What are you talking about? That's, 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 of course, jesting in the things of God. That's coming against the Holy Spirit. Let your joking around be turned into mourning and your joy into deep humiliation. Be willing to be made low before the Lord and he will exalt you. He doesn't want you to become low. He wants you to come to the place of being humble and recognizing I can't do anything without him. Some people say, well, he's your crutch. No, no, no. <laughs> he's everything. He's my wheelchair. He's my walker. He's, he's, I can't do it. I can't get out of bed without him. If I can, then I'm walking in my own power, in my own direction, my own doing. He's the one that 
He wants to exalt us. What's he want to exalt us in? He wants to exalt us in the Spirit of God that's in us. He wants to exalt the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. He wants people to say, you know so-and-so, they're just so kind. They're just so full of joy. They're walking through life with just such peace. That's being exalted. Because we know and they know it's not you, it's him. It, it, it's, it's so deep, but it's so simple. Just to take what God's doing in our lives and allow, if we could just get the fruit of the Spirit working in our hearts 24-7, your, your life would change, your family would change, everybody would change around you. It goes on and it says, Dear friends, last verse we're going to do. Dear friends, as part of God's family, never speak against another family. Never speak against another family member. For when you slander a brother or sister, you violate God's law of love. Right back to the fruit of the Spirit. What are you doing talk, What are you doing using your tongue to hedge you the wrong way? What are you doing using your tongue to cause destruction? Love and forgive. Be happy. Walk in the fruit of the Spirit. You come right against the things love. Then it says, And your duty is not to make yourself a judge of the law of love by saying that it doesn't apply to you, but your duty is to obey it. I'm going to stop there. Come to the place in your life recognizing, yes, if you're, if you're in blatant sin in some area of your life, you've got to quit. You've got to get the power of God to make you quit. But let's back up and just as a congregation, as a people, let's back up and just start allowing the fruit of the Spirit. And it's not effort because it's in you. It's just you've got to get out of the way and you've got to die to, you got to, die to pride. You've got to die to being offended. You've got to die to the things that hurt you. You've got to let things go. You've just got to drop the problems. You've got to recognize that God's got this and he's going to take care of you and let him. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, walk in your life and it'll change you forever. I promise you. Father, we thank you. You've got the answer for every situation, every circumstance, and everything that's going on in our lives. No matter who has offended us, no matter who has hurt us, number one, we've got to treat them in love, agape love. We've got to forgive them, and we've got to turn right around and be kind and be gentle, have self-control with all the situations and circumstances, and watch you work in our lives as well as you work in their lives. Thank you, Father, that we are many times the only Christ that people see. Help us to walk according to what James is saying here as a congregation and as a people to reach out and touch lives and touch hearts by the heart that you've placed in us. And we thank you for it, Father. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You got two minutes before the kids get here. Need prayer for anything, I'll be up here.